This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast is brought to you by MLB at Bat. Yankees baseball is always live with MLB at Bat. Follow the action with game tracking and video highlights, along with up-to-the-moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download MLB at Bat today in the Apple App Store or Google Play. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast. It's a new year, it's a new decade, it's almost a new season, not quite yet, but I am John Schwartz, I'm the Deputy Editor of Yankees Magazine. With me right now, we have Nathan Makaborski, our Executive Editor. Hello, everybody. Nate, how was your New Year's? Good. I guess it's been, what, a month since we last spoke on here? It has been. That was a fairly momentous episode i guess if you could say we gave away some yankees tickets and oh yeah we also talked about garrett cole all of our holiday wishes came true and uh here we are now 2020 like you said new decade getting the new season underway hard at work already on uh the first few publications of 2020 no no real off season around here but uh it's good to to be diving into this stuff it really is kind of amazing and i know we do this every year but it just there's three football games left. You know, we have the conference championship games and then we have the Super Bowl. And then you get to that little time when, you know, it's just a couple days until pitchers and catchers report. And obviously, look, we're saying this now, you know, about five weeks out from that, but man, it goes fast. Yeah, it, it sure does. And it's uh, almost too fast. You know, <laughs> I look at the, the pile of work on my desk and the think about the things that I still need to take care of uh, before opening day. And it's uh, it's a little bit daunting. Well, fortunately, uh, once spring training starts, we still do have six somewhat interminable weeks until opening day, but not here. You know, things are going to get pretty crazy around here pretty soon. You know, it's funny because we're coming off this time, as much as I'm saying how fast things move, you mentioned that last episode and the Garrett Cole thing, and I just, it, it feels like the Garrett Cole press conference was like six months ago at this point, not one month ago. Yeah, I mean... Uh- a lot has transpired in the world of baseball since then. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I mean, that was a, uh, that was a, a, a fun day here and a, a fun episode of the podcast to be talking about that. And, uh, you know, Garrett Cole is still, you know, kind of at, at the forefront on, on our minds, you know, as we plan our, our first issue of Yankees magazine of 2020. I mean, should you know, we say it? I mean, what better way to, to lead off the new year than with our prized free agent acquisition, right? Believe it or not, Garrett Cole, you're here, you heard it here first and you 
<laughs> almost certainly assumed it. Garrett Cole will be our cover star for the first issue of Yankees Magazine in 2020. Now, I, I always preface things like that by by saying, barring anything barring unforeseen. anything unforeseen. <laughs> well done. Well done. <laughs> because until that thing rolls off the press and is on newsstands and in mailboxes, uh, you just never know. Baseball's a, a funny sport. <laughs> yeah, but I, it, it's just, again, it gets you into that mode as we start doing this stuff and as, you know, I know I'm hard at work on a story right now. I think you're working on something like seven of your own stories plus perfecting everybody else's things. There's a lot to talk about with this team right now. You know, there's a topic in baseball right now that basically everyone wants to talk about. And this isn't, you know, we're not going to do that. I I just want to put it out. That's not kind of what like we're about here. Obviously, there's plenty of places you can go to listen to all that stuff and read about all that stuff. And I hope you do because, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff to read on every angle of that thing. But, you know, it, it is nice in a sense to, you know, not be have that be what our focus is right now. And, and to be able to think about things like, you know, looking at the list of free agents that's still out there and wondering, you know, are there some non-roster players? Are there some, you know, interesting moves left to make? Uh, you know, I, I know I, for one, <laughs> a couple of days ago when the Yankees sent out a press release announcing the Brett Gardner signing, I did a double take only because I had thought that it had happened about a month ago. <laughs> so that was, right. <laughs> that's not going to fun me. <laughs> Yeah, you know, this uh, part of the calendar year uh, is, you know, we, we're, we're spending time not only working on our, our first issue of the magazine, but simultaneously uh, working on the annual yearbook that uh, comes out on opening day. And so um, our editors on staff here have done a, a great job of cranking out the, uh, the player bios for all the guys on the 40-man roster. And I've been kind of going through a lot of those and intrigue abounds this year which is you know no different than any other year but you know we're going to see some some position battles in spring camp and young young players looking to make an impact our uh, associate editor Gary Phillip spent some time this offseason with Mike King um, and I, I just got done kind of going through that feature with him and uh, he, he did a fantastic job on that story so you know that's something to look out for you know that's just one example of a guy who's you know, maybe flying a little bit under the radar for some people, but uh, I mean, look, every year it seems there's guys who who are in that same position now in in January and February who end up, you know, being major contributors during the season. And and there are two sides of this coin that I think are really interesting to look at both of them at the same time. If if there's one lesson from the 2019 season, obviously it's that depth matters. Um, you know. We'll always go. I'll always go back to that moment when the team broke camp and Tyler Wade wasn't there, and you know how frustrated he was, and just the message that you know it's going to take more than twenty-five guys to win. And I mean, God, what could be more pressure than that? It took something like seventy-five guys for the Yankees <laughs> to win the number of games they won last year. You know, so again, as I look at this list of players who aren't signed yet and kind of wonder who fits, you know, one thing that's interesting to look at this year is. First off, there's the 26th man, so the roster is mm-hmm. bigger in general. But I also go back to a question that I asked Brian Cashman at his, you know, season wrap-up press conference last year. You know, I I wonder as as we start getting closer to spring training and you start seeing some of these lists of non-roster invites come up, or you know, um, you know, minor league signings. The the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders last year were not a Triple A team. They were basically a four A team. You know, they kept sending players to the Yankees who were big league ready, mm-hmm. and that 
played a huge role in what they were able to do. I mean, you know, Gio Rochella, no one expected him to be what he was, but you knew that he could play in the major leagues when they assigned him to AAA to start the season and things like that. I wonder philosophically if our baseball operations department it has to approach its AAA team differently, knowing that it takes just so many players to succeed in the league right now. But at the same time, like I said, the other side of that coin is not to, you know, I, I don't want to make the Yankees come off as, you know, scrappy underdogs when they go out and sign Garrett Cole. But the biggest thing you get from doing something like Garrett Cole, which, yeah, the Yankees don't do every year, but, you know, are occasionally able to do, is every single roster spot gets better when you have a Garrett Cole there. Every pitcher that the Yankees have right now is a little bit better because Garrett Cole is there. So, you know, now the question isn't who's the game one starter. You, you assume who's the game one starter or the functional game one starter, depending on, you know, how the matchups work out. Because, you know, Garrett Cole is there. Well, you know, so our previous game one starter right now, you know, last year was James Paxton, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. So, how much better is James Paxton as a game two starter than he would have been as a game one starter? And, and things like that, you you look throughout the roster and the lineup, you know, how much better is this Yankees team in 2020 with a healthy Giancarlo Stanton every day? You know, because Mike Talkman and Clint Frazier and these guys are very good players, but think about how much better they are on the bench, you know, coming off there. So, so all these little things, you really do get to see both sides of the roster construction from both what happened in 2019 and also what's happened so far in 2020. No, I, I agree with uh, with everything you just said. You know, I remember at several points during last season, you know, looking at the uh, the Rail Riders roster, you know, they would like tweet out their their nightly lineup or whatever. And I would see it and look at it and just be like, wow, there's there's a lot of talent down here at this triple A that level. Team, that, that team could beat the Orioles. Th- right. Mean. You know, and I, I agree. The, the, the ripple effect of, of signing a Garrett Cole is just in many ways, you know, not only does he alleviate some of the pressure on the other guys, but, um, you know, I think just him being the, the type of pitcher he is and as seemingly cerebral as he is, he seems like a guy who's always looking to improve and he, a guy who openly discusses, you know, his, his everything, you know, mechanics to, you know, pitch selection and sequencing and everything. I think all that, just having a, a new brain in the room is going to have a positive effect, you know, whether it's young guys in spring training picking his brain or just throughout the season, you know, shooting the bull in the, in the dugout uh, during games while, while another starter's on the mound. We're going to benefit in many ways from having a guy like that on this team. For sure. When you look at some of the questions on the team right now, so I'm gonna, and, and I don't mean, you know, question marks as in who's going to play where, but, you know, as we get, you know, a month after spring training and as we're both really deep into this mode of, you know, thinking about this team, thinking about how it's constructed and thinking about how we want to cover it, what's on your mind right now in terms of in terms of things that just have you that excited both to see, but also, you know, to get to, as I said, to kind of direct the coverage of in some ways? I mean, for me... You know, you, you touched on it briefly a couple minutes ago here, but, you know, we still haven't seen the full Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge show in effect uh, for, you know, an extended period of time. Last year was a really kind of tough year for Stanton. And uh, until I, I see a reason not to, uh, I'm very optimistic that he's going to have a big bounce back year. You know, I just think about you know the potential for a, a healthy judge and a healthy stand 
back to back in the middle of that order. You know, I think we've kind of been waiting for it for a couple of years now, and we've only, you know, we've seen little glimpses of it here and there. But uh, if if those two guys can both get it cranking at the same time, you're going to see a big walk up at the gate for those games. So that's what I'm hoping for. You know, that's the first thing that came to my mind. I don't know about you. Yeah, you know, there's two things that I, I personally just really have be anxious for spring training. You know, so I'll say one of them is this team is still weirdly young in a lot of ways. You know, that's not necessarily what our experience has been with, you know, really good Yankees teams, but especially, you know, swapping out CC for, if you want to just make it a one for one, swapping out CC for Garrett Cole, you know, that's about a 10 year difference right there. But, you know, this is, this is going to be a year of, you know, both some really interesting young players kind of, you know, working their way from AAA up here. I'm looking at, you know, David Garcia, Clark Schmidt, things like that, that, you know, they're, they're, they're still obviously the nature of these prospects graduating in some ways means that the Yankees farm system isn't what it was four years ago, but that's okay. That's what's supposed to happen. The prospects are supposed to graduate. There's still some really, really interesting young talent to say nothing of the really, really interesting, super young talent. One of whom, you know, Jason Dominguez, we're going to get to spend some time with it next week. But, you know, the other thing, and it's kind of along the same lines, kind of different though, is I think part of the team's success last year caused one weird thing to be overshadowed, and that's how incredibly interesting and good Gleyber Torres is. And, I mean, Gleyber Torres is still so young. He had a year last year that was remarkable in so many ways. And, you know, yeah, is he always going to hit, you know, 39 home runs in a season against the Orioles? Probably not. Like, I mean, that, that that's not sustainable. So maybe I think the total, the actual total last year was 38, I think. You know, I'm guessing that's probably, if not the high watermark for him, then pretty close to what his ceiling is home runs. But And, and that's fine. But, I mean, he is so young. And I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm way off on what he's capable of. I can't wait to watch him this year. I, I think he's going to be just such an interesting player. He was a lot of fun to watch last year and, and and before that, for that matter. But, you know, interested to see how Andujar bounces back this year. And, Beat me and, to it. Absolutely. You know, what what role he, he plays because, you know, where Shella definitely, you know, earned a lot of cred last year with what he was able to do. So uh, that's one of those battles that'll be interesting. See what happens at first base, how, how that shakes out with Luke Voigt and Mike Ford, I, I guess, would be. You know, the two guys who, who we would consider the, the forerunners right now. But things change. And uh, like you like you said, I mean, there's plenty of depth. There's young guys knocking on the door looking for their their shot. And, uh, you know, they showed that they can play, too. You know, I'm, I've always kind of kept an eye on Tyro Estrada. I think he's a really interesting player um, ever since I saw him down in a double a all-star game a few years ago you know when he got his chance last year he, he looked pretty good too so we'll see how it all shakes out but for sure i mean glaber's one of those guys you know when we sit here in january and we're kind of mapping out guys who we, we should hold a cover aside to put them on during 2020 uh glaber is certainly high up on that list and and look it's going to be interesting to see the impact on his game from not having Didi around. You know, Didi was a great influence on a lot of these guys. And obviously, in his absence last year, you know, Torres thrived, um, both at shortstop and obviously at the plate. So 
he, he can clearly, you know, man the role. It's just, uh, you know, Didi was a big personality in that clubhouse that was really useful in a lot of ways besides for what he could do on the field. And again, like I said with CC, um, it's going to be interesting to see who steps up into those roles that have been vacated by, you know, really special and strong players. You know, that, that that's kind of a story for as we get closer to spring training. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, as much as this is a time for looking forward, you know, maybe it's because we didn't do an episode right before the new year or what have you, or we got caught up in Garrett Cole, but I do want to look back a little bit at the last decade, not just for what it says about the Yankees, but for what it says about, you know, the way Yankees Magazine covered the Yankees. And then uh, you and I can also take the opportunity to look forward a little bit too. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Masahiro Tanaka. You are listening to the Yankees Magazine podcast. The Yankees Magazine Podcast is also brought to you by MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription includes MLB at Bat Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball on your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. So welcome back. We are recording this a couple of days before the uh, Hall of Fame announcement is made for this year. And while Yankees fans already, you know, in this cycle have gotten some somewhat disappointing news when, you know, Don Mattingly and Thurman Munson were not inducted as from the Veterans Committees, I think it's pretty safe to say that when, when the announcement is made by the BBWAA, the Dark Cheater is obviously going to be on there. The question is really... Will it be unanimous for the second year in a row? Yankee unanimous right now, according to the tally that Ryan Thibodeau keeps. So far, every voter who's announced their ballot has him on it. So, you know, we'll see what happens from that. But obviously, there's going to be reason to celebrate there. Thinking about this, though, it really has me thinking about the 2010s in a lot of ways. Obviously, Nate, I wasn't here with the Yankees um, as 2009 turned to 2010, but you were. And not only were you here, but you were coming off an incredible first year at the stadium. You are coming off a World Series championship. And if you look at the decade as a whole, you were starting off as a decade that would have basically as much Derek Jeter as not Derek Jeter. And now you can see how much has changed just by the fact that we've passed that five-year cycle that now he's you know being talked about in the Hall of Fame. So I'm really curious for you if, you, if you could talk a little bit about if you put yourself on January 15th or January 16th of 2010, how is it different from what we're looking at right now? Wow. Very different today. And, you know, I can't help but kind of like tie in, you know, what goes on in my personal life with what goes on in my professional life. Because, look, I mean, I spend pretty much uh, <laughs> as many waking hours here at Yankee Stadium during the week as I do at home. When the decade, the last decade began, I had just gotten married in 2009. I got, I got both my rings the same year. And, you know, I had no kids and, you know, I was kind of uh, still one of the, you know, one of the new guys around here in this department. As time progressed, personally, I had three kids along the way and, you know, watching the team on the field, you felt it in a similar way. You know, I'll never forget just like the emotions in watching Mariano, uh, you know, come off the mound for the last time when, when Derek Jeter and Andy Pettit went out to remove him from the game, like it really hit me. It felt like one chapter of my life had ended and, and, you know, it was like 
my childhood was now officially over or something like that. <laughs> so, you know, I feel like it's been a, a, a decade of kind of growing up and, um, you know, not to say I felt like a kid in 2010 because I was, you know, 30 years old or 31 or whatever, but the Yankees have been, you know, a huge part of my life. And it's been sort of energizing though, these, the, the last part of the decade to see the the baby bombers come up in this, you know, exciting young team take shape and, you know, the way it was just sort of rebuilt on the fly and the success that they've had these last few years. I mean, 2017, if I had to really rank all my seasons here, might have been the most exciting. You know, I mean, 2009 was really awesome and really memorable. Uh, Opening up a new stadium, winning a World Series doesn't really get much bigger than that. But, you know, that 2017 team was just so much fun and kind of a little bit unexpected. We are all cheering for you to get another ring. I think we all join your wife, Lauren, though, and hoping that it's a championship ring and not a wedding ring, obviously. So <laughs> let's, let's keep that to one and let's, you know, work on the other hand. <laughs> you, you, you make such a great point about 2017. I do think that's such an interesting place to kind of like to reset in some ways. You know, I'll probably talk a little bit about 2016. I think that for so long, and I don't know who to blame for this, as it's clearly not one person who needs to be blamed, but I love that 2016 put a lie to the fact that, you know, a New York team can't smartly look to the future. The things that Cashman and his crew did that year to, you know, tear things down in a way that wasn't taking advantage of fans in any way and wasn't, you know, they weren't lying to themselves. They weren't lying to the fans, but they also weren't kind of stealing money from anybody. They basically just said, you know, we tried it. This year it's not working. And here's some moves we're going to make for the future. And as you said, by 2017, yeah, it was earlier than anyone expected it. So that was fun, but it was also a well-composed team. It wasn't, you know, a team that necessarily, if you look back, overachieved that much. It really, you know, th- those were well-put-together players who performed well and, there was, a, there was a maturity in that clubhouse and a lack of drama in that clubhouse, which is something that I'll always take with me. Obviously, I, I'm, I'm sure it would have been very fun to cover the Bronx Zoo teams and all that stuff in the same way that it was very boring in some ways to cover some of those late 90s, early 2000s teams. Not that it wasn't you know fun to be around a team that was great very often, but they're, they're, they're just they're, there was a certain buttoned up quality to them. And what was amazing about that 2016-2017 team was just the characters in the room, I thought, you know, were just so positive and were, there were so many good guys in there and a real, real lack of, you know, cat fighting that, you know, would find its way out. It, it, it was just a drama-free clubhouse that, you know, was really interesting to be around. It's hard. It's, like I said, it's a little bit harder for me. I didn't start the decade. I started the decade working for Major League Baseball, so I was around, but I was not in here every day. You know, watching from afar, I thought that what Yankees Magazine was doing was incredible at the time, and I kind of couldn't believe that a team was willing to do that. And I can say that having been around it for six seasons and you know nine years after the date I'm talking about, ten years after the date I'm talking about, I, I'm still somewhat amazed about it. And this sounds, you know, very braggy and self-involved and, and whatever you'll you're listening to the yankees magazine podcast so deal with it <laughs> but you know what what you what you get in yankees magazine um 
you know, you don't get from other teams. And it doesn't, that's not because I'm saying the Yankees are better. And that's not because I'm saying the Yankees, you know, care where others don't. But I am saying that there's an investment the Yankees make into telling these stories, not from a, you know, let's just draw up some rainbows and sunshine and, you know, paper over all the issues going on with the team, but rather from a sense of, you know, these are interesting people that are in this clubhouse. And, I know you and I know I and I know everyone who works for us. We take a lot of pride in not simply saying, you know, this is what this player did in the field the other day and the Yankees won or the Yankees lost, but rather, you know, what can we do to get you to know this person and to get you to understand this person and to get you to realize what it means to overcome the challenges that this person overcame to do what he's doing. You know, like I said, I'm heading to the Dominican Republic next week to talk to a 16-year-old kid, Jason Dominguez. And I'm laughing a little bit because what do I have to say to a 16-year-old kid? But, you know, I can't wait to find out what I'm going to learn from him because obviously he's exceptional. You know, I mean. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, I mean, the best sports writing isn't necessarily about sports. It's about people. That's part of the fun of this job is I always say, like, you can never master writing. Like, it's something that you can always strive to get better at. And it's something I've strived to get better at. Hopefully, I'm a better writer than now than I was 10 years ago. But that's it. I mean, that's the key. It's writing about people. It's putting a human face on these, on these guys, these, you know, bigger than life stars that you see on TV every night so that, you know, when you, when you do see them go through a tough time or something, you can kind of, you know, have a little bit more empathy for them. Or, you know, when you, when you do see them do something great, you know, you can really kind of, you feel it along with them a little bit. So yeah, I have no doubt that you're going to come back from the DR with a a story about Jason Dominguez that's going to help all of us see him uh, in a new light. And I want to be very clear because a lot of times these get, you know, put in opposition to each other. It's not about, you know, we're telling personal stories, so we don't care about, you know, the analytics or anything like that. You know, on the contrary, we're in such this amazing age right now you know, we were talking the other day because if you want to look at something that exists at the end of the decade that didn't exist at the beginning, the way that StatCast opens up in understanding both to deep math people who can really just crunch every, you know, number and percentage and understand stuff, or also just people who like want to look at one single number that a plus or minus thing that says if someone is good at defense or bad at defense, or if someone, you know, took a good route, or a bad route or if someone hit the ball incredibly hard or not, this stuff is all there now. And in the same way we're telling stories about these people, the knowledge that we have at our fingertips right now to understand what we are seeing with our eyes and how it translates to what is actually happening objectively on the field. Again, I can be writing a very personal, deep story about someone's background, but the assist that I can get from being able to really just say very clearly what he's doing on the field in ways that even just 10 years ago did not exist, that's just immeasurable. Yeah, you always used to hear that the uh, the Gold Glove Award was a popularity contest and they, you know, it would often go to guys just because they were the recognizable names. And I think that's certainly a trend that's going to go by the wayside with all these, you know, new advanced defensive metrics out there. You'd and hope. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, you can't just give a guy a gold glove because he's, a, you know, a fan favorite anymore when there's hard data and graphs and all this stuff showing you that this other guy is twice as good or whatever. The stuff that we're talking about right now, it comes from investment and it comes from a willingness to say that part of our job as what is admittedly a marketing arm of the New York Yankees is to show who these guys are 
but we don't just do that in the clubhouse. Like I said, we, we do it in the Dominican Republic. We do it in Fresno, California. Nate, you've done trips recently to Tennessee and to the Dominican Republic and to Ontario, yeah. Canada and Cooperstown, New York. <laughs> the, the, this, this stuff matters. There, there's value to this. And I have a lot of friends in the magazine industry and I'm not trying to put them down by you know, stepping over them or anything like that. But it's just a hard time right now for a lot of people out there. Things that these, you know, major glossy magazines used to do as no brainers and the ways they used to invest, they don't exist anymore. And a lot of these people who I speak to, they laugh and they're incredulous at the fact that Yankees magazine is sending us to do these things right now. The only reason we're doing it, it's not for our vanity. It's not for our glory. It's, you know, for the readers and for the players. And, I hope that there's an appreciation for what the Yankees are defining as important as we uh, begin this new decade. I think there is, you know, uh, of course, one of the, the most obvious ways that uh, our world has changed in the last 10 years is is just communication in general and social media specifically. But, you know, all those different channels have allowed our readers to provide feedback a lot more directly than they could in the past. And, uh, you know, from, from what I've been able to tell, uh, a lot of people do appreciate the fact that we, we put as much time and effort into Yankees magazine each month as we do and can't wait to uh, to keep it going here in the in the 20s. I think that's a great segue to talk about whether it's just talking about 2020 or looking forward to the future. P- part of what I know that I'm looking forward to, you're listening to right now, and that is I've loved over the last few years getting to turn some more of our attention to the audio side of this. I think that I can drop stats if you want, but I'm not going to. But obviously, there's just a lot of really interesting things being done in the podcasting world right now. And I will say, you know, it's a little bit early before we can announce exactly what our plans are here. But look forward to more stuff coming from us on the side of the industry. You know, I'm really excited about what we have coming this year for our podcasting initiatives. And that's going to hopefully include working with some players and really telling deeper stories than just these conversations that I love having. And that during the season, as we have more stories that we're writing, it's, you know, it's really good to be able to give a little bit of background on them. But I'm really excited for what we're going to be doing here. But I'm also really excited for the things that aren't going to change. And that is that we still have a ironclad commitment to print and to storytelling and to writing stories that are probably too long and maybe, you know, a little too expensive in some ways, but that we feel do a really good job of just telling the stories we want to tell. The deep dives into the minor league coaches aren't going away anytime soon, let's hope. <laughs> my, my, my bread and butter. Come on. <laughs> no, but I agree. I think there's a lot of exciting things coming down the pike. When I think about, you know, the future of Yankees Magazine and what we're doing here, one thing I would like to explore is I've really come to realize just how how much of an international presence the Yankees have, whether it's getting emails from from readers in Europe or um, talking to people who, you know, were like, oh, I was walking around Prague and I saw, you know, Yankee hats everywhere. Like, it's clear that, you know, baseball is a global game and there's seemingly no bigger team uh, worldwide than the Yankees. So I would really love to be able to find a way to just continue to connect with those fans over there and, and you know, look for ways to make the connection between Yankees magazine and uh, potential readers over there a little bit more seamless if possible. I think that was a big thing that MLB did really well in the last decade, um, culminating, of course, with the Yankees Red Sox London series. We're going to see it again this year with the Cubs and Cardinals and it's a real credit to baseball that they convinced these marquee rivals to take these games over there. I think there's got to be an inclination sometimes to send over two teams that are struggling to sell out games and say, okay, we'll do something fun here. Obviously, those were two 
Red Sox home games, technically in London. Fenway Park would have sold out for those games too. They didn't need to go over there to get a sellout. I think we're going to see more of this stuff. I really hope that you know team-specific stuff starts happening too. I, th- I think I kind of thought that with the more global world, if you will, that uh, over the last decade, I-, I thought that maybe there'd be more stuff that we were doing specific to Japan um, with relation to, say, Masir Tanaka or whatever. Obviously, Hideki Mitsui is such, still such a huge presence around this team. And I imagine that as we enter into into this next decade, you're going to see a lot more stuff like that because you know the world is shrinking in a lot of ways like that, in, in really fantastic ways for the things we're trying to do. And I'm really excited to explore this stuff a little bit later this year. We have some plans that we're not ready to talk about yet, but we're going to really get to dive into some you know, of where international baseball is and where the Yankees are internationally in 2020. And that's going to be a fascinating project that we work on that is probably the thing I'm most excited about for this year. Yeah. You know, I, I would hope that Major League Baseball and its broadcast partners continue to, to move in that direction too, not just in terms of bringing our game overseas, but importing a lot of what you know, goes on over there during the off season and even some in season stuff as well. I mean, I'll walk into like my local pizza shop and they'll have some like European soccer match on TV. And I feel like games like that are on all the time over here and are very easily accessible. And I can think of so many examples of baseball games that I would love to be able to watch more easily than you can now, you know, whether it's like, you know, Summer Koshian or, you know, any number of just international tournaments that feature really talented players and some well-run organizations and tournaments and stuff. And uh, I would definitely tune in if, if more of that stuff was available. Absolutely. And I mean, especially when you think about the natural way the time difference works i think japan is like 12 hours i think it's so you know if you were putting japan league games on at 7 a.m on mlb network that'd be pretty fantastic you could turn it on every day why not speaking of which uh you know i've mentioned i'm heading to the dominican republic i think i'm going to be there during the dominican league championship series whatever world series so you gotta go i might try to do that (laughs) major league baseball I, i don't know if i'm allowed to say this as a yankees employee but you know i've always been a big proponent of the world baseball classic it's always my favorite thing on the calendar we're going to get another one in 2021 we're going to start seeing some qualification tournaments i assume this year that that stuff is just massive and it's so much fun and i've always said that the, the the literally the only barrier to enjoying it is the fact that for some reason people think that it's something they're not supposed to enjoy and anybody who just gives into it and watches these games you can't get enough of it and i i love that initiative i love that event and i literally I, I can't wait for the next one it was so much fun the times that i've been involved with it and you know the last cycle when i wasn't involved with it at all just watching it as a fan i was blown away by it so that's definitely something to look forward to and there's stuff like this everywhere though it's a really exciting time there's uncertainty absolutely everywhere you look in every field every industry you know we work in print journalism it, 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 it's hard but also look i mean baseball demands a lot of its fans and you know games aren't cheap and getting to the stadium isn't cheap and it's time these games are long these games are late and a lot of games. But there's a lot of games. And look, I always joke, you know, we're on the East Coast and there are time zones. So for other people complain the games are too late, like it's a big country and we got to deal with it a little bit. But everything that you can do to make the game a little smaller, make the world a little smaller at the same time, it's going to be really fascinating to be involved with. And, you know, as a baseball fan, but also as an, a former Major League Baseball employee and now as an employee of one of the teams, I really do feel anything we can do in that um, field over the next decade is going to be probably where the biggest opportunities are. 
you know, next spring when they do the uh, the next World Baseball Classic, we'll have to do a podcast episode where we look back at the first program that you and I worked on for the, what was it, 2006? I got some stories, man. <laughs> that was, that. it's still, it, honestly, my, I've been to many incredible sport events. I'm an incredibly lucky person. A first round game in 2006 between Canada and South Africa in a tiny stadium in Scottsdale, Arizona is probably still the best sporting event I've ever been to in my life. And I, I've been to some good ones. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really exciting to think about that stuff, but it's, it's really cool to have this little pause. You know, we're going to, we're going to do this again in two weeks and we're going to be two weeks closer to spring training. Then we're going to be talking probably about, you know, some of these, you know, non roster guys and all these things. Then two weeks after that, we're going to be sitting here, our fingers on the table, because it's going to be like, oh my God, pitchers and catchers is in like two, three days, whatever. Like that, that's how close we are at this point. But I, I, I've, you know, this last hour, or whatever that we've been talking, I've really just enjoyed kind of like taking a reset and kind of thinking about where we are. And I said this at the end of the year, and I know I speak for Nate, I know I speak for everyone else involved with the Yankees magazine. The reason we're here is because of the people who are listening right now, the people who are reading us right now. And none of this would matter if we were just throwing stuff against the wall. The whole mailbag thing where we gave away the free tickets, yeah, that we that's coming on, whatever. But we we would love to hear what you guys think if you're listening to this. What what you're excited about for these next ten years of Yankees baseball? You know, let, let us know what you want to see different. Let us know what we can be doing differently, but also what the Yankees can be doing differently. What Major League Baseball can be doing differently. What you as a fan intend to do differently over these next couple of years. And we'd love to involve you in that conversation moving forward. It's an exciting time right now. It is. The next time we get to talk, it's just again, it's gonna be that much closer. Nate, you're gonna be, we're gonna be that much more exhausted. Suddenly, our days are gonna start <laughs> running together again. But yep. it's fun. Yep. So shoot us an email, podcast at yankees.com. Follow us on Twitter at Yanks Magazine. Uh, you can check out our publications offerings at yankees.com/publications or uh, read some of our latest content at yankees.com/magazine for sure we look forward to speaking with you in two weeks enjoy all the other sports in your life and all the other commitments you have in your life over these next couple of weeks because pretty soon you're gonna have a baseball game every night we will speak to you in two weeks have a good one bye hi this is adam Adovino. for more stories like these subscribe to yankees magazine by visiting yankees.com slash publications or by calling 800 go yanks The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets, redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today by visiting yankees.com backslash ballpark app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 